Welcome to Jammin' and Jammies. I'm Megan Barker. We are sitting down with some of our favorite songwriters and industry leaders. We're going to find out how they got where they are and learn some valuable insights into the music industry. You can watch the interviews online or tune into the podcast. We also do a live stream every Sunday night on Instagram, so just check out jamminandjammies.com for all the details on everything. Today, we are sitting down with Leanne Phelan. Leanne has an impressive resume, you guys. Very extensive. Um, most recently, she spent five years being the co-head of creative at ASCAP, where she created the GP program um, and she has since created her own company called LP Creative Therapy where she quote helps creators create I love that with one-on-one -on -one consulting and workshops obviously a lot to talk about so let's welcome her Leanne how you doing Megan you are so good at this I'm good I'm good <laughs> I only practiced it like five times before you got on it's fine <laughs> It's awesome. You got it dialed in, lady. I love oh, it. Thanks so much. Okay, well, I'm so excited that we are finally sitting down to chat. I know we've spent some time together over the last few months. I have participated in some of LP Creative Therapy's workshops, and they really are amazing. This is stuff I wish was around 10 years ago when I was first, you know, kind of starting out in music. So do you want to just start at the beginning and tell everyone about where you're from and how you got into music? Wow. Okay, yes. So... <laughs> nobody's gonna know where this is but I am from a small town in West Tennessee called Trenton Tennessee I know where that is you do oh that's right we talked about this you do know where that is um and you know I grew up there it it is my my home and and all of that but I have been in Nashville for so long that this is this is really my home now um so gosh, how to condense everything. I actually started out singing. Um, I had an amazing vocal teacher in another little small town called Bells, Tennessee. And his name was Joe Kincaid. He passed away when I was a senior in high school, which was really significant in, in my life because he had just been the catalyst for exposing me to a bigger world. Um, you know, if you think about it, you're from, from a small town and you don't have internet and that kind of thing, you know, how do you know really what's out there? So he really um, showed me that through music. And as a matter of fact, I was a senior in high school and he drove me to an audition in Memphis, Tennessee before I graduated and I got that job. So I was working in Memphis every weekend and I thought I was so cool and I you know that was that just kind of set me off on that path so long story short I mean I, I did a lot of singing anywhere I could and um, wound up at, at Belmont because it was one of the few schools where you could study music and get a business degree and um, I ended up um, having a connection with a, a rock legend named Steve Winwood. And um, if you don't know who he is, look him up because he's been a hit songwriter and hit artist since he was 16 years old and, and had an amazing career. And um, he uh, married a, a friend of mine. And so that was my connection with him. And um, I got to not only sing at their wedding, but I got to, um, to, you know, basically audition for his band 
and he went out on a uh, on a tour. He um, is the artist behind Higher Love, and it was a world tour, and I got to go as his background singer. So that was pretty amazing at 21 years old. So fast forward a little bit more. I think I I wasn't really cut out for the long haul on the road. I kept doing it till I was about 28 or 29. And then I got in on the business side of music and was really led. And that's something we can talk about today um, is, is really trying to tune in to your path, your individual path, because I did not set out to become a publisher. And it ended up being such an amazing fit for me, for my personality, for my skill set, for my um, uh, ear for music at that time, because I came from pop music and country kind of became more pop in the 90s. And that, you know, you, you can't plan these things. And a lot of times in class, when I'm talking to you guys, I'll talk about how um, you know, you can do all this work in your career and just a little bit of magic has to happen on top of that. And that was one of those things for me because I did not, like I said, I, I listened to a voice to contact a person that I went to school with who happened to be Steve Marklin. He hired me as a receptionist at Windswept Pacific. And that's where I learned about publishing from Steve and just being there with some of the most amazing songwriters in the world. And I kind of kept going from there. But at the business part, I'd, I was in publishing, um, went over to start Combustion um, with Chris Farron and Ken Levitan. From there, I went to Sony to do A&R. From there, I went to American Idol to be kind of a preliminary judge. And then I also managed songwriters and producers for them. And then I went to ASCAP and then I started my own company, um, which is actually called LP Creative and it's a management side. And then the creative therapy side came about last year during the pandemic. And now the podcast is over. Thank you very much. <laughs> so long. I don't know how to say all that, you know, there is no so. need to put, you know, 15 or 20 years or whatever it is in just a paragraph and I gotta be honest I kind of don't even know where to go after you list all these experiences that you had where do I start I mean where do I well, start it, the here's the thing the, the the thread for me is that I have always been around songwriters yeah. you know as a publisher as a A&R person at a label as a um writer, producer, manager, and especially at ASCAP. Um, and, and now I, you know, my clients have been songwriters in, in the management world. So that is really the threat for me. And, and I just, I don't know, I've been thinking a lot lately about authenticity and, and, you know, having all of these amazing, new writers and artists in the creative therapy workshops. I, you know, we're, we're all after the same thing. Like everybody wants to be successful. Everybody either wants to be a successful writer or a successful artist writer. And, and what is that thing that, that is, is the glue or the, the gateway to 
getting where we want to get in, in that endeavor. And it sounds so simple, but I, I think it's really what, what it is. It's, it's being, being the genius of you, you know, finding that authenticity within yourself. And I think about that even, even on my side of the fence, because my set of experiences and all of that, and the people that I've been lucky enough to, to work with and, and help when I didn't even really know what I was doing, but I was just following the instincts, all of those things kind of culminate into this unique experience that I'm having even now with writers. And I'm trying to help mentor and guide them through, through my own experiences. But I, I really think that, that, you know, with a lot of the guests we've had on the workshop, that is the, the similar story. That's the, the thread of the story that, um, that these successful people that come on, that's what they talk about. They, they basically are, are, I think people are trying to learn the craft at first and then they get comfortable enough in that to just go, I'm going to do what I like now. I don't want to follow this or that or try to be, uh, I'm trying to think of the most, you know, Bruno Mars just came out with a new record. So I don't, I'm not trying to be Bruno Mars. I'm not trying to be, um, uh, you know, anybody else but me. Yeah. Um, and that's what, that's where the courage part comes in because I think we're all a little bit, um, maybe we're all not like this. Maybe it's just me, but I know I have a little too much of, um, what are people going to think about this? What, you know, I don't know if I, and I'm getting over that, um, honestly, the more that I do this. Most creative people have a lot of insecurity <laughs> like that. I mean, I, I, I wonder, I can't remember where I heard this, but it was something like this. It's like in your forties, um, you, you don't worry as much about what people think in your fifties, you don't, you don't care what they think. And then in your sixties, you realize they never were thinking about you. Ugh. It was something like that, but said a lot more eloquently. And I wish I could give credit to whoever's yeah. idea that was, but um, you know, I, I think we, we all just, I think social media makes this difficult for us because, you know, you see stuff on there and sometimes it makes you feel funny. You know, even if it's somebody you like who's accomplished something great, there's a, a little thing in there like, oh, am I doing enough? Or do, do you feel like that? I do. And I, I really think though that there not everyone's like that. I think it's highly ambitious people like you, Leanne, and people that are hungry and creative um, that feel like they're not doing enough. I feel like that all the time, but I also feel like there's not enough hours in the day. So we must be working hard if there's not enough hours in the day, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, I, um, if, if, you know, consciously I catch myself feeling like that, I know that it's not um, real, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. But, but I think, I think when we're just scrolling and that kind of thing, and, you know, 
artists are so much better at just being comfortable with putting themselves out there. Um, but, but I think, I, th I think the competitiveness is kind of unnecessary because that sometimes causes more of a lack mentality, even with what I can accomplish as an artist. And I just don't think that, that that's it because there are, you know, you don't, one person doesn't get successful musically and as a consumer, that is the only record that, that I listen to. No, I listen to all these other things depending on what mood I'm in. So I don't, I don't think there's, there's as much um, reason for that, that lack there's consciousness. Room for everything. Exactly. Yeah. And just because, you know, um, I think we're all trying to, and, and I'm speaking, we're all like the, the people that I'm around the most. Yeah. And, and I think that you're around the most, um, we're all trying to crack the new code, you know, and it's, it's, I think the only way to do that is, is to do your personal work and dig as deep as you can into you and you're, you know, this sounds so cheesy, but you're, you're a snowflake, you know, you're, you're unlike anyone else. And so you've got to be comfortable with expressing that. It's like, you're unlike anyone else, but whatever your deepest emotion is, people are going to respond to that because we're also all the same in a certain way. We're unique, but we're all the same. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. You're speaking absolute logic. And I'm really glad that you're talking about all of this because I, I do feel like part of what you do, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it might be kind of like therapy because you do have to kind of, you work with songwriters and you carry them through each day and how to get from A to B and there's highs and lows. And it's a very emotional thing that we do working in music, I think. You know, I really, really, really feel called and feel overjoyed to hold space for that. And I, I appreciate that's, that's the biggest compliment that you could give me. Um, and the reason I, I called this part of the business creative therapy was because one of the people I was meeting with said that. So, so what happened was Back in April of 2020, um, I guess we kind of shut down at the end of March. Um, and in April, I, I was managing an artist that we had just worked so hard and, and put together this amazing video and had this marketing plan lined up and all of this. And of course, you know, everything just, it, it seemed like it didn't matter in April. And, and for me, I saw all of these people doing their thing online for free. You know, if you were a chef, you were showing people how to make uh, linguine in the kitchen, or if you were a cello player, you were on your balcony playing cello for free. And so my instinct was just to put out this flyer um, that just said, let's keep your creative momentum going. I'll meet with you for free in April. And it just kind of, it did take me back to my ASCAP days because I was thinking of people that didn't have a team. My artists had a team around them, a really solid team, but 
so many people didn't have that. And that must have felt even worse, you know? So I, I floated it out there and the first person that responded, um, I just hit my email list. Um, and uh, one of my friends who I respect so much as an artist and songwriter who also has a podcast called The Love Freak, um, Courtney Cole was the first person that wrote me back and, and cause you know, when you do something like that, it's a little like, oh my gosh, what did I just hit send on? You know? And I was kind of sitting on my couch going, oh, I hope that, you know, again with the, what, what are people going to think? Yeah. Oh God. Um, anyway, Courtney wrote me back within like 15 minutes and said, I would love to meet with you. And it just, you know, just that first bit of validation for me was like, oh my God, I love her so much. And then other people. So I, what happened then was I, I got really booked up in April. And so I extended it into May. Um, and uh, by the way, a lot of people at NSAI, I think that's how you and I got hooked up. If, if I remember correctly, Megan um, was maybe through NSAI. I actually think I saw someone post about the workshop you did. I think it was the one where Carly Pierce was there. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Yeah. And I well, slid into your DMs after that. Gotcha. Um, Carly was so amazing. But uh, the NSAI people did help a lot and, and send people my way. And so then I was like, I really want to keep doing this. And I still had clients I needed to you know, work for. So I, I kind of started the workshops. Um, so now I'm getting ready to do my, my fourth workshop, which um, is kind of a combination of you, you mentioned Carly Pierce coming on. Um, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to provide that link for people that feel like they don't have an open door in the music business, you know, and so they can come into the workshop, build community within the group because, you know, only people that are serious um, about this are paying money to do a workshop, you know, and they're, they really want to be there and they're committed. And it's so awesome because the way that it goes down, there's just such an open, um, openness and supportive community there but I also like to get to know the group and then bring in people from the industry that I think will help that particular group so much the other thing that's happening is as I'm doing more of this I have certain things that I want to provide um, as, as a mentor uh, um, and a guide through this that I think are really helpful and important and and kind of things like what we've already talked about, um, which is, you know, your personal work and how authentic can you be? And, you know, it, this is not, it's not, I'm not teaching people how to write songs because I'm not a songwriter, but I'm teaching them what people like me looked for in songwriters and, you know, what we wanted out of that person before we were going to sign them. Yeah. And, that's, that's kind of a really fun perspective. I'm, um, I'm so glad that you're talking about that because there's so much more to making it in this business than just 
being talented or becoming a great songwriter. It's really like an X factor thing too. You have to have all these things to be a star or to be a successful songwriter. And, and you have to be able to make friends because you got to be likable. So I'm glad that you talk about these things because, you know, it's common knowledge or it should be. Well, it's true. I mean, I, I think that you could be a brilliant, brilliant uh, creative person and be, oh, we probably can't, you know, not be a nice person. Um, but I wouldn't sign you. Um, I've, I've, you know, that doesn't mean that somebody else wouldn't be able to, to take, you know, take that on. But, but to me, it is like, you know, you are, it's like you're in a working marriage with that person, you know, and, and the level of trust, um, and communication that has to be there is so high that, yeah, you have to be a person that knows how to connect. Um, and that, again, it comes from knowing who you are, being able, uh, obviously being able to learn the craft of songwriting and say things in a unique way. Um, but, but yeah, you, you have to be someone that, that I could go out and, um, you know, set up a co-write with Megan Barker or, you know, like you have to, I can get you in the room the first time, but you have to get yourself back in the room. Right. Amen. I love that. You know, and it's, it's not like a job where if you don't like it in a few months, you can quit. I mean, in music, you're signing contracts that, that last for years. And I think that might be why you know, they say that writers and publishers date for a little bit because you have to know if you're going to work like a family, you have to be a unit. Um, okay. I'd love to take a step back and, and talk about your time at ASCAP and your working with writers and the importance of PROs and, and what your job was on a daily basis and how important PROs are to young unsigned writers. Yeah. Um, I just, you know, I, I hope this is okay to say because we are taping this um, the day that Miss Connie Bradley passed away. And if you guys don't know who she is, um, you should definitely Google her. Um, And I've done a lot of thinking today about this because it's not that I I knew Connie very well, I, I feel that, I feel even weird saying Connie. I want to say Miss Connie. Um, even though I, I did work, I, I didn't work at ASCAP while she was there, but I was just thinking today about starting on the business side in, in 1994, okay? And when you're a receptionist and a tape copy person and all that, those, those award shows, the ASCAP awards or the BMI awards or CSAC, like it's just, you know, it's almost dreamy to get to go. And, and you, don't, you don't have a ticket as a receptionist, you know what I mean? And just to work up to the point where I could actually get invited to that award show, 
um, I think my first time I got to go was with my friend Scott Gunner, who was an amazing song plugger at this company called Almo Irving. And he took me as his plus one. And I'm, the point I'm getting at is at that show, Miss Connie Bradley was the host of the entire show. And she gave out all the awards for the top songs, the top most performed songs that year. And um, I didn't realize until today that, you know, I'm, I'm sitting out in the audience seeing this and somehow that soaks into my brain that it, it never crossed my mind that it wasn't a possibility to reach a level like that, you know? And there were so many strong women. There was another um, amazing lady that ran Sony ATV Publishing named Donna Hilly. Um, Frances Preston was the president of BMI for years and years, all so well respected. Joe Walker Metters um, uh, ran the CMA for many years. Um, Renee Bell was, was second in command at RCA Records. Like there were so many amazing women that I, I just never even thought about um, a glass ceiling. I really didn't. And, and it's because of those women. And I, it's just really soaking in today that, that she's responsible for just paving the way for me and, and so many of my friends. So I did want to say that. Um, but uh, I think the original question was about ASCAP. And, and um, I, at the time, I was managing songwriters and producers, which no one had really done in Nashville. Um, Chris Oglesby had a, a company um, providing that service. And I worked with Chris there and we managed Luke Laird and Barry Dean and Jerry Flowers and Steve McEwen and Dan Couch and Scott Stepakoff and Kat Gravitt. And um, probably, there's probably others I'm forgetting, but it was just so fun and amazing. Well, um, Tim Dubois asked me to come in for an interview at ASCAP and I told him what I'd been doing. He said, good, I want you to do that here. <laughs> and so I just thought, wow, okay. So I, I went over to work with the amazing Tim Dubois, who is, again, just look him up. Yeah. He was the president of Arista Records and signed Alan Jackson and uh, Diamond Rio and um, everybody that you love. <laughs> and so um, Tim as, asked me to come over and, and I learned so much from him. And then um, Mark Driscoll became the head of uh, ASCAP, learned so much from Mark. And um, just, you know, Mark was so supportive and, and in, in every way. And then when Mark left to go to Seagull, um, Michael Martin and I became co-heads. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the things I can't remember if, I, I think Michael actually said this, you know, if we could um, uh, leave something that would be kind of a legacy there, it would be amazing. Well, I, one of the, I, I'll, I hope we're not going too long, but one of the biggest problems that I saw is that I had all these amazing people and I couldn't 
really get them in front of publishers like I had hoped because a lot of the the main creative people at publishing houses were just so overloaded with songwriters a lot of mergers had happened at that time so that means you know catalogs coming together writers coming together and a lot of times creative people lost their spot and they just were overloaded so um back to the therapy and the all all the spiritual stuff i don't even know why i tell this but it, it's the truth i was this problem was on my mind i was blow drying my hair and it's like this idea just like completely downloaded into my brain and i just saw the whole thing and i was like oh i know what i can do i can get together the best of what we see and then i can call 10 or 12 of my publisher friends and ask them if they'll commit to one meeting a month. Brilliant. And then I was like, this has to be under the, the umbrella of development. Like we all have to still develop writers as a community, which by the way, is what we used to do. There were people like Bobby Reimer and Chris Oglesby and Scott Gunner and Steve Marklin that would, um, meet with people after hours and really, really try to nurture the unsigned writers that they had their eye on. I remember meeting Luke Laird at one of these events that Scott Gunner had put together at Almo Irving um, after hours. Um, I met uh, Matt Ramsey the same way. Matt would come in and meet with Scott after hours and Scott asked me to sit in on one of the meetings and, and um, you know, it, it's just, it's part of who we are in Nashville. So um, one meeting a month and then a follow-up meeting the next month. So that, that to me solidified making a relationship with that writer. And then the writer would get a new publisher to visit and then you know have two meetings with them. So by the end of the year, they would have met six publishers. So that's how we um, set it up. And I uh, brainstormed it with my friend, Ryan Beisel. Um, and uh, we came up with the name GPS Project, which stands for Guidance from Publishers um, for Songwriters, GPS. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, and what happened after that is like people started getting signed left and right out of the program. And I'm really proud that to this day, it is still one of the most um sought after programs that a songwriter could be in. And to come full circle, one of the artists songwriters in my very first workshop, Nicole Miller, just got in the GPS class this year. Yes. She's how I found out about you. That's right. Oh, I love her. She's so good. So, so, so good. I mean, and it, there's also the next woman of country that's happened the last few years. So there's all these amazing things the last few years, these new resources that weren't around 10 or 15 years ago. And it, it does feel like Nashville's nurturing songwriters because there isn't a lot of development anymore. Would you agree? Um, I think that there is just because like I said, it's in our blood here. And it's coming from more people than, than just publishers, I think. And uh, for instance, Leslie Fram at CMT is, she is amazing. Like she has come up with 
so many programs for new artists. She's so open to helping people. Um, when I started the creative therapy workshop, Leslie just kept sending me people, sending me people. And she's, you know, she's part of Change the Conversation. She's part of the Next Women of Country. She, during CMA week, she does this amazing showcase for, um, I think it's Next Women of Country. Um, it's it's kind of like the showcase for the, for the year. There's now a tour that that um, goes on because of Leslie. Like, um, and then you know, I I know her. If she were sitting here now, she would say, "I have a team, and we all work on this together." And everything is a team, by the way, everything. But I just have to point Leslie out in particular um, because I I just know her heart for for artists and creatives and you know it's not just women but she's definitely given that such a huge push and just just um to piggyback my own uh thought there it really does take a village to to make a career happen and it really does start um at these very early beginning stages. And so there kind of, there has to be people in on every level of it. Like there has to be someone in on a workshop or a, a PRO level that is really helping that early development. And then that next level at a publishing company where it's getting a little more serious. And a lot of times they're the catalyst for the record deals and, and then great managers get involved and promotion people and, and the social digital media people and the PR people and the, the band comes together and this, the agents and um, great attorneys and business managers, all of that. That is why when there is a number one party, you see 200 people there. And one of my biggest pieces of advice to, to anyone is to, let people into your world on the way. Like if you feel those early committers are there, um, thank them, like appreciate them as you're going through this. I don't care if it's, um, uh, you know, having a great uh, uh, songwriting session that day and somebody helped connect you, connect you with those people. Um, you know, whatever it is, I, I had a um, digital marketer on the workshop who, um, you know, she was telling the story about how she was sitting, um, you know, she worked with Kelsey Ballerini when Kelsey got the infamous Taylor Swift tweet. And, and this social media person, um, uh, who has her own company now. And I'm, oh my gosh, I'm spacing on the company name. But anyway, she was such a big part of that. You know, she felt included in that because that kind of came through her avenue um, that she was working with Kelsey with, you know, and, and there are, that everybody just wants to be a part of what you're doing. They're excited for you, you know? And I think the more people you can make feel special as an artist and a songwriter coming up, the more they're going to want to work for you. And you never know 
where that magic is going to come from. You never know if the um, receptionist at your co-writer's publishing company just really likes you because you bring her a cup of coffee when you're coming into the building. And then later, she, you know, down the road, she ends up in an A&R position and wants to hear your songs. I mean, you know, I'm making all this up, but am I? That's how it happens. It really it is. probably happened like that, you yeah. know? Absolutely. I love everything you talk about. You're so warm and so open. And I love that about you. And I, you were talking about Leslie, you were talking about Miss um, Connie and all these fantastic women. And I have this theory, most bigger executive people that I've met in town, these great leaders are usually really kind people. So I have this theory that you can't rise to the top in Nashville being a jerk <laughs> because everyone I've met so far has really been so warm and, and, and welcoming and kind. So, well, uh, it is, it is a place that is unlike any other in that aspect where I, I think, I think the, the catalyst of it is that we all know that we need each other to succeed. And, and my first lesson in that was, was being a publisher and knowing that like, hey, if we get this great song and I've got a co-writer at another great company, um, just say it was one of Kelly King's writers. I know like Kelly's such an awesome publisher plugger. Like she's gonna be working the song. I'm gonna be working it. Where, you know, you just like, you have more chances that way. And then, you know, then it spills over into label and, and great managers and great, you know, it's, it's just, we all need each other to pull this off. And, and I think there's a little more trust in Nashville, as opposed to maybe other places where they just, just want to hang on to it. You know, I think we're used to working, even though we have our silos, you know, our companies that we're very loyal to and, right. and that kind of thing. I think we all know how relational and really how small 16th and 17th Avenue are. So you can't really afford to, um, you know, not be liked. <laughs> right, right. Well, I, I feel like I could chat with you all day, but I, I want to just ask you a couple specific questions for our followers, because all of our awesome followers, we're all just aspiring songwriters and artists and music industry people. So um, when do you need a publishing deal and what do you look for? I mean, this was your job for a long time. What do you look for and when is someone ready for a publishing deal? Well, I have, um, I'll, I'll explain it quickly, but I do have this, this little printout that you can get on my website that it, it's, it's called Four Steps Closer to a Publishing Deal. And the reason that I wrote this, this little piece is because um, I was able to look back and see what I actually did. You know, it was, it was instinct um, as to, how I found writers or why I was signing them, but but there were four main points that came into play. And I just find it interesting because um, the very first thing we've already talked about, the very first thing is connection. And that has nothing to do with the music or anything. It's literally just the human connection, you know, because somebody's coming in your office, 
and and whether you realize it or believe it or not there is an energy that you bring that i bring and that either works together or it doesn't so um that just initial connection and ability to have a conversation and and um you know i, I don't know any other way to say it but connection um that was the first thing that always happened then the second thing would be the music and whether or not i personally liked the music and and actually it it would it's not even that whether or not i like it is it is it music that i think i i um can do something with you know and so i was in the uh commercial music business <laughs> um as a publisher and still am you know i want i want things that um that people in general are gonna like and and um you know, in, in a more commercial sense, I love all kinds of music and, um, but there's certain types of music that I don't know how to yeah. you know what to do with, um, other than enjoy it. So, um, commercial music was what I was looking for. So there was that, then I liked the music. Then the third thing that happened was, um, you know, say I was talking with you, Megan, like, getting a feel for where you wanted to go with your career yeah. meaning do you want to just be a an amazing songwriter do you want to write broadway musicals do you want to be an artist do you want to um, write for sync do you you know what is it that you want to do and and do i you know can i see those goals for you so do those things line up so that was number three and then number four is, could I help you get there? So, you know, to use the example of like, say you were, were an incredible jazz musician and I agreed that, yes, that's what you should be doing and all this, but I wouldn't necessarily know how to get you there. Yeah. Um, so that wouldn't be something that I would sign, you know? But I find in talking to other people too, there's also this, this element of, it's, you know, people can't quite explain it. It's just that, but I think it's connection, you know, just this, this, I don't know, they just wanted to be around that person, you know? And uh, so that's, that's really what I've always looked for. And my, my latest um, client, Evan Klein, who is a producer, artist, songwriter, we had all of those things. And, you know, um, when you're, working with somebody on the daily like you do want to make sure that you communicate well and that you're on the same page and you know you're it, it's it's you know you're in each other's lives at that point so yeah i think that's wonderful advice so they can print this out you said on your website yeah at um at creativetherapy.com um, actually lpcreativetherapy.com. <laughs> what is my website? Yeah. It's in, I'll and, put a little box there. Yeah. It's on the main page and just scroll down and it's, um, a little thing. Um, but yeah, I, I, I just think that's helpful for people to know because it's like this thing, like, how do I get there? And, um, you actually said this earlier, Megan, it is a courting process. 
in a lot of cases, you know, um, and there are um, things that you do as a publisher, like you're trying to figure out what, what exactly does this person do? Sometimes you, you can't tell if, if the songs, you know, say the first three songs you hear are co-written with different people and, and there's, there's not a cohesive thing in there that you can discern is that person. So sometimes, you know, you'll hook them up with people in your company or you'll just want to keep meeting with them, um, things like that. And actually we, um, Forrest Whitehead at Music City Playbook, he and I, um, this, this is such a hot topic. We put together a course that you can do on your own called Pub Deal Prep. And um, uh, it really goes into detail from the songwriter perspective and from the business perspective, you know, from all the hats that I've worn and producer songwriter hats that, that Forrest has worn. And, you know, it really goes into detail on, on his side, like where he made mistakes in his publishing deals. And, and his passion is really educating people um, to know their business. And on my side, it's kind of things like this, like preparing you for those meetings and, and giving you, you know, the best tools that you can have. Um, if that is your goal to get to be a signed songwriter. So, um, yeah, that, that course pub deal prep is, is, I think it's really, really good. These are amazing tools. I keep, I keep saying that, but I just wish this stuff was around before. I mean, between you and Forrest with Music City Playbook, um, and obviously NSAI kind of, I think, started all of this. Um, and, you know, Lance Carpenter starting something now. It's, it's and there's Songtown. There's all these amazing resources now, guys. So, um, you know, if you're not taking advantage of all of them, you're crazy. So um, I feel like I could chat with you all day, but it's been a while. So I'm just going to ask you one more question, if that's okay. Um, you have started the GPS program and you worked with amazing artists like Kelsey Ballerini was in it, Carly Pierce, um, I think Haley Witters. Well, actually they were not in GPS. Um, they were in another group that I started, oh, okay. which was a female mentor group. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no. But it was right around the time of the, you know, female artists in country being compared to tomatoes on oh, salads. Yeah. And so that was, uh, that was my answer to that. And, and it, it is pretty incredible to look back and go, okay, so Kelsey, Hannah Dasher, yeah. Carly Pierce, Julian Jacqueline, wow. Haley for the first couple meetings, um, uh, Jordan Shellhart, um, Sarah Beth Tate was in that group, a girl named Bonner Black, he's really talented. But I mean, uh, it was it was pretty stacked that group and we had we had such a great time. Well, but I guess my question was though between all these amazing stories that you've watched unfold, is there one exciting moment that stands out that you could share with us? Oh my gosh! <laughs> Hard to pick one, I'm sure. I know. Just There's some inspiring story you can leave everyone with. You know, you've seen some amazing things, I'm sure. I have, I mean, there's, there's one that I tell in the pub deal prep course that, oh gosh, um, 
I'm trying to think if I should save it or, <laughs> but I mean, I'll just, I'll just give you the, the cliff note of that story. The full story is in Pub Deal Prep and, and maybe I won't cry just telling the smaller part of it, but um, basically in 2014, uh, ASCAP turned 100 years old. And so at our award show in Nashville, we decided to give out two awards that year for the most performed songwriter of the last century and the most performed songwriter artist of the last century. So that's pretty heavy just thinking about that. Um, and without all the details, <laughs> um, the, the songwriter artist was Alan Jackson. Um, and Alan, I believe, did know that he was getting that award because, you know, you have to, it's, it's a bigger deal for an artist of that caliber to get there and all of his people have to approve, you know, and, but um, the songwriter um, was completely shocked and surprised and had no idea that we were doing this. So that was Craig Wiseman. Wow. And the part of the story I want to tell in here is that I, I just had such a unique perspective on all of this, um, just knowing that the award was coming. And I have to say, you know, as a team, we put this thing together really, really well. And so Craig shocked comes up on stage and I'm standing behind him, um, you know, as, as one of the, co-hosts of the evening and I knew that he was crying um and the first thing that he said was if you've ever written a song with me please stand up and from my vantage point behind him these you know these these awards dinners um there were I think maybe I don't know, a thousand people there and it's all industry and songwriters and um, over half the room stood up. And it, it was just amazing, you know, to, that, that is our community. And, and I'm really grateful to have gotten to experience that moment even as a onlooker because it, it says so much about who we are and who the songwriters are and who I hope you continue to be as, as a part of the, the Nashville songwriting community because Craig immediately, you know, he's, I know the people on the podcast won't be able to see this, but he just pointed and yeah. gave one of those. And I mean, Wow. This is the first time I've told this without crying. Like I usually get a big frog in my throat and the whole story is, is it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, I can uh, understand why you get a frog in your throat. It makes me emotional. And there's so much in that short story. There's so much to unpack there. I mean, just obviously years and years and years of, of building something, you know, what a magical moment. I'm really grateful that you shared it with us. Oh, thank you for asking that question because that that is a great thing to end on. You know, yeah. it's it's about our community and 
And I definitely um, want to continue being a part of that. Um, that I, I, I want, I want to be like the, um, just the lighthouse for people that are like, what do I do? How do I start? Well, come here and, you know, let me hold space for you and hopefully, you know, send you on your way a little better prepared than you were. So you're doing it. It's so special what you do and we need people like you. So on behalf of all of us in Nashville, thank you for people like Megan. You're awesome. Well, thank you for having this show and great luck with the podcast. You're doing, I mean, girl, (laughs) you, you, I I think you are working 24 seven. I'm trying. I appreciate that. Lots of concealer, right? That's what we do. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I appreciate and filters. <laughs> that's right. And filters. That's right. Amen. But I appreciate your time today. And, you know, for everybody who's watching, I hope that you're inspired by this. Some people come to town, it happens quickly. And if that's not your story, that's okay. I think we can take that away from everything we talked about today. Everyone's story is different. So y'all stay inspired and go check out everything Leanne is doing. And we'll have to catch up again soon. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thanks, Leanne. See you later. Bye.